January 31st. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament, our narrative today will be from the book of Matthew, chapter 20, beginning at verse 29. We'll go through Matthew, chapter 21, verse 22. What do you want him to do for you? You know, he asked that question of the blind man, Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? Well, they knew what they wanted, and they trusted him for it. Do you know what you want when you come to him in prayer? Do you persist even if others try to discourage you? What a promise we have in Hebrews chapter 4. We'll read about the king. The people were blind to their scriptures. They praised him with Psalm 118, but overlooked verses 22 and 23, which Jesus quoted later. Beware knowing the Bible, but not knowing the Lord when he is at work in your midst. And then we'll read about the judge. Jesus cleansed the temple and cursed the fig tree. Two unusual acts for him who came not to judge but to save. Like the temple, Israel was corrupt within, and like the fig tree, it was fruitless without. A church can become a den of thieves if that is where we go to cover up our sins. A person whose life is nothing but leaves is in danger of judgment, for Christ seeks fruit. And now let's begin our reading today here in the New Testament. January 31st, Matthew chapter 20, verse 29, through chapter 21, verse 22. As Jesus and the disciples left the city of Jericho, a huge crowd followed behind. Two blind men were sitting beside the road. When they heard that Jesus was coming that way, they began shouting, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd told them to be quiet. But they only shouted louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped in the road and called, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they said, we want to see. Jesus felt sorry for them and touched their eyes. Instantly they could see. Then they followed him. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, They came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said, and you will see a donkey tied there, with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them here. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, The Lord needs them, and he will immediately send them. This was done to fulfill the prophecy, Tell the people of Israel, Look! Your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, even on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus said. They brought the animals to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of Jesus, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. He was in the center of the procession, And the crowds all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David! Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord! 
praise God, in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was stirred as he entered. Who is this? they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the merchants and their customers. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those selling doves. He said, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a place of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him, and he healed them there in the temple. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law saw these wonderful miracles, and heard even the little children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. But they were indignant, and asked Jesus, Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied. Haven't you ever read the Scriptures? For they say, You have taught children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany, where he stayed overnight. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed a fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs on it, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered up. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? Then Jesus told them, I assure you, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, May God lift you up and throw you into the sea, and it will happen. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I'm Derek Burris. I'm 34 years old from Lancaster, Ohio. I struggled with addiction for most of my life. I've lost years of my life to incarceration, and nothing seemed to take away the urge to stay away from drugs or the lifestyle. I've dealt with major anger impulsive issues, with nothing, and nothing seemed to help. Recently, I was released from a lengthy stint in prison and immediately start, started going down the same path I find myself on. My family and loved ones noticed it immediately, so they all suggested I go to the refuge, which I had no clue about. As I thought about all the time I've lost in the past and the people I've hurt and what I just weeks or days away from losing again, since I was already back on the disaster course to nowhere, I knew at some point it would be my life I lost this time. So I took the advice and went through the orientation. The transformation started almost immediately once I decided to die inside and give my life to Christ. Every time since, I see change in my personality and see structure being formed in my life. I catch myself sitting there happy and smiling for no reason. People care here, care here and it forces transformation. So if you just accept it, it will happen. Give it to God. It's the first time in my life I've been happy because of life. And the weeks that I've been here have been the most gratifying weeks of my life knowing that the change in my life and knowing that when I see my loved ones for the first time, they will see the Derek they haven't seen in 20 years. They can finally have a peace of mind that I'm not going to be a statistic and this battle can be won with God in my life. To anyone in the refuge, especially my new brothers, give your life to God and he will take care of the, the rest. The only way you won't flourish is if you refuse it, so accept it.
Now, before we go any further, and I promise it won't be much longer, okay? I can't guarantee that promise because sometimes I don't do what I want to do. Can, 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 can we come together on one big thought before we go any further? And, and that is that this idea that is being popularized in modern society and culture, and it's been around for longer than modern culture and society, and that is that your feelings are truth. This is one of the scariest ideas floating around right now in our culture. And this is what we are being told. We are being told that if you have feelings, dare I say you have repetitive feelings, you have feelings that keep coming back for you to resist those or for you to fight those or for you to stand against those or question those, you are fundamentally disingenuous and you are not authentic. When you have repetitive feelings, those feelings are not just feelings. That is who you really are. Those urges, those desires, those impulses, that defines who you are. So lean into that. Follow those impulses. Follow those desires. In other words, live your truth or more specifically, live how you feel. Okay, okay, okay. At face value, it kind of sounds fun. I'll admit that. I'll admit that. It does. It kind of sounds fun. Until you step back as a logical person to go, the whole constructs of our society and governments, countries and continents are predicated upon what? People not doing what they want to do right when they want to do it, whenever they want to do it with whoever they want to do it with. In fact, we have police forces, and do you know one of the reasons they're here? To keep you from doing that exact thing you want to do when you want to do it. Why? Because it will be chaos. So they make for great hashtags, but they make for a horrible existence. So, so it's th- th- this, this idea is fundamentally flawed that we all go from this place and hey, I felt it again. Oh, there it is again. Yep, that's, I'm going to do it. That's me. No, no, no. Don't follow your heart. Listen to me, question your heart. Jeremiah says the heart is wicked and deceitful. Who can know it? The answer is not you, not me, only one, the one who made it, God. Question your feelings, question your desires, question your heart. One of the most diabolical ideas or advice you could ever get is, hey, slugger, champ, follow your heart. Who can even define the heart? Do you know how many centuries theologians have debated what the mind, the will, the heart, the soul? I mean, the guy in front of me in the plane that I fly into Portland, he's reading a whole thesis on the soul. And the guy read, we're confused. The heart is just, it's kind of like, it's, I don't know, follow your heart. I can't even find my heart. What kind of fractured advice is that? I believe living by feelings is a fundamentally dehumanizing existence. It reduces you, it animalizes you. You become animalistic and you end up living by your instincts. And I am here to say that I have never met a single person and I've been out and about a bit. I've never met the person who says, hey, can I tell you my story? I have learned to do whatever I feel it. However I feel it, I do it right. I act 
immediately on what I feel, my sensations, my desires, and my urges. And can I just say, for the last 25 years, the trajectory of my life has gone steadily just like this. I am so happy and fulfilled. Never. Instead, you meet people who've taken this simple yet absolutely toxic idea and what do they end up with? Man, I, I don't know. I, I, I've lost. I, I, I've, I've done it. I, I'm, what do I do now? Living by your instincts is not what God designed you for. Okay? It's, it's not what you want. The truth is some of you want some stuff right now. It's not what you want. God actually knows what you want. I don't really know what I want, but I know that God knows what I want. And so when I want what I want, I question why I want it. And then I wonder, God, is this what you want me to want? Because I'm wanting something right now and I really want it. But do you, if you don't want it, I don't want it. I mean, I do want it, but I don't want it if you don't want it. <laughs> because you know what I should want. And if I want what you want, I'm going to end up where I ultimately really want. I don't want to be alone in a big house by myself. My kids despise me. My wife has left me. And my grandkids don't even know me. With a strong drink in my hand going, I lived it up. Have you ever met that person who's like, that's what I'm looking for? No. But yet we're not telling the truth in our society. That, that more often than not, that is the end of living by your feelings. Psalm 25. Verses 16 through 22. Turn to me and have mercy on me, for I am alone and in deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for I trust in you. May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. O God, ransom Israel from all its troubles. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 through 15. Here is a description of worthless and wicked people. They are constant liars, signaling their true intentions to their friends by making signs with their eyes and feet and fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil. They stir up trouble constantly, but they will be destroyed suddenly, broken beyond all hope of healing.